Up I did. All right, so tonight um, we're just going to, you know, normally we've been doing um, prayer requests and things like that. Um, tonight I want to do a quick prayer because we have a lot to get through in Romans 14. We took um, kind of a little bit of a break with the singing night, so I want to kind of revisit the beginning of 14 again, but not spend as much time as we did on it last time, the first seven, seven or so verses. Um, but I want to give us plenty of time and still get you out at a decent time as well. And there's a big concept that I don't want to break into chunks. So we're going to say a quick prayer and then we're going to go ahead and get right into Bible class. Is there um, any prayer requests? I'll, I'll take a few if, if there's any urgent ones that we need to be praying for. Obviously Mitzi Robinson. Carl? He has dementia, and that he's right now mentally he's about a two-year-old, and uh, and he's, he's the doctors the doctor said only God can help him now. He's he's declining, and eventually he won't be able to move at all and stuff like that. And that's your uncle. Uncle, the one that fell yeah. last year. Yeah. All right. Anybody else? Say it again. Yeah. Yeah. Be praying for Ad's family for sure. All right, well, let's say a prayer real quick and then we'll get started with class. God, we come before you and Lord, we're grateful for this time where we can be together and sharpen one another and, and talk as family, as loved ones, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, as we go through Romans 14 tonight, I pray that you guide our conversation, that you keep our minds sharp, that we uh, are absent of distraction to the best of our ability. Lord, and that you help us to focus on not just what your word says, but how it even applies so significantly to us today. God, I uh, want to pray right now for Mitzi Robinson. Now, we're, we're, we're not going to stop praying for healing. We know you can do all things. And we're asking that you heal her. Father, um, I just want her arm to go down. I want the circulation to get back to normal. I want the cancer to go, to go away. Father, I just pray that you hear us. I know you hear us. I pray that it's your will. Father, we also are thinking of Carl's uncle. Father, who has dementia and dementia's, dementia's a, it's a tough, difficult disease, Lord. It's, it's hard for, to watch your loved ones regress, but not only regress, but not really be themselves. And Father, we know the doctor's already said it's in your hands, so Lord, we, 
we faithfully put that in your hands. You know what's best. Yet again, if you can heal, we, we would love to see that. Father, but we know ultimately you're in charge of all of our days. And so again, we lift up Carl's uncle and everything that he's going through. And I pray for the family too, that they can surround him and help him to the best of their ability as he deals with that disease of dementia. Father, we also are thinking of Adoree. Lord, the encouragement that she brought to so many of us. I was always excited to see her on Sunday. I was, she always was full of love. And Lord, I miss her honoriness, to be honest. I, I miss the jokes, the sharp little things she would say, the cleverness that would just so easily come out of her. Father, um, we're grateful for the time that we've had. And we will not, although we will mourn the loss, we will also celebrate the victory. Because she was good and she was faithful. And just as she was faithful to you, you're faithful to your word and your promise to us. So Father, we can say that in confidence that we know that Adore is now in better hands and in a much better place than here. But Father, comfort the family. It's always difficult to lose a parent, a grandmother, an aunt. You can go through the list, Lord. We just pray for comfort and peace with the family as they set the arrangements. It's It's always a difficult process, no matter when, when these times happen, whether it's a long life or a short life, it, it's always a difficult process and tough things have to be done. So just comfort them and give us opportunity to surround them and, and fill them with love and, and the joy of Christ that no matter what we go through can, can never be taken from us. God, be with us tonight. We thank you so much for your love for your forgiveness, your grace, and your mercy. Father, we thank you for your son who died on the cross. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So again, we're in Romans 14. We already discussed a few of these verses, but I feel like it's been so long. We should at least just catch up with where we're at. And, and um, we answered some of the basics of this last time, but I want to go through it just really quickly, okay? So we're going to start in verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith. Now I want you to see who he targets in this. Welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. So the weak person in verse 1 is the one who only eats Vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, being who? The weaker brother or the weaker sister, right? For the Lord is able to make him stand, and truth is, we're all standing in Christ. It's not just the weaker, it's the stronger as well. We all stand in Christ. 
Um, verse 5, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. So that's kind of where we stopped um, last time in our conversation. I just want to revi revisit a few key points. First one is they're having a quarrel. The first quarrel is over meat and vegetables. And why would meat and vegetables be something we argue about? Because it was... Um, a New Testament doctrine that the church was picking up that you should be a vegetarian. No? This is probably still hitting the same thing. Gentiles and Jews. Yeah. And Jews didn't eat certain meats. Yeah. And we talked about this and Paul read in um, John where Jesus himself said all things were clean, right? And we talked about Peter and his vision and all the unclean things that were on the picnic table, so to speak. And how God was making it very clear to him that those things were now clean, right? So you can see it from the Jew and the Gentile culture. We also brought up, why else might somebody have an issue with meat? Maybe somebody that was at the church in Rome specifically. Yeah, because they were sacrificed to idols. And some would say, um, I can't eat that. That was sacrificed to idols. And others would say, yeah, you can. What's wrong with it? I'm not worshiping. I didn't take part in that. And by the way, I got it from Publix. What's the problem? Right? So that's the first issue you got. And you can see, again, I, I will say, I relate to the sentiment of people who might have been hung up on the fact that that meat was used in a ceremony. You could see how people, good people, who are trying to do their best to follow God, would get sucked in potentially to that. Well, if that's the only meat I can get, then I'm just going to eat vegetables. I'm just going to eat vegetables. We also talked a little bit about bacon, but we'll leave that alone for now. Right? Remember? Okay, just trying to refresh us a little bit. I really want you to pay attention to verse 4. I think this is one of the key parts of the context of Romans 14. I also think this is going back into Romans 13. Remember, we're talking about the olive tree that's got the, the new branches that are grafted into the old olive tree. Don't forget that that's been all of what Romans is about. It's this, this clash of cultures. It's people who have been segregated for the majority of their life, avoided people from other cultures. Don't think the Jews had any issue avoiding people. We just went over the Samaritan woman not that long ago. And how the Jews would walk around. They didn't want to deal with the Samaritan culture. They wouldn't even be a part of the Samaritan culture. So verse 4, I just want to read it again because I think it's extremely important, at least the parts that are underlined. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And I want to 
point out this simple fact that Paul is saying. He's saying we are not the master of each other. Even if you are the stronger and you're dealing with somebody weaker, never forget you are not the master because you are stronger. You are not the master. And in fact, let's, let's discuss that for a minute. What makes the person stronger in this situation? He's more tolerant, okay. Who is the clear, weaker brother in this situation? The one who only eats vegetables. Why, is he, why, would, why would Paul call him the weaker brother? Based on his faith? Okay. There we go. Based on his knowledge. Why? Because we've already discussed, right? That under the new covenant, by God's own omission through his son's mouth, it has been declared that all things are clean. So somebody doesn't fully understand that concept yet. Somebody else does fully understand that concept. And you're having a clash. You're also having a clash of cultures. Don't forget that. Who are we to pass judgment? We're all here to serve each other. That part is true. But ultimately who? We're here to serve the Lord. We're all his servants. Go ahead, Ron. Going back to something that was said last Sunday, for example, that the, the perfect commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. If we all did that, there would be a lot more growth because I enjoy being treated a certain way. Yeah. You enjoy being treated. I don't like being yelled at. I shouldn't yell at somebody else. Uh, so when I look at this other person, I look at him as God looks at him. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be God-like in my vision of that other person and looking at, here's a soul that God so loved that he sent his only begotten son to die for that person. Yeah. And that I shouldn't have a less impression of that individual than God would have. Now, relative to how he's living, that's one thing. But he came to seek and save the lost. That that's his goal is to find those people who are lost and bring them in. Yeah. And you know, you, you start splitting hairs over it's the cup rather than what's in the cup. You start getting into those kind of arguments. You lose the what's important here. And I think that's what his, this whole thing about what you eat. It's not that everything that God gives us is a gift. Yeah. You got to look at it. Yeah. He's definitely talking a whole lot about how we are to treat one another. Despite the fact that we might have differences. And I called these differences of an opinion. And the reason why I say their opinion, let me go back to that real quick too. The reason why I say their opinion is because you can't be wrong either way. So sometimes people don't like the word opinion. So we could say another way um, we say these things might be that it's not a salvational issue. Right? It doesn't matter whether you do it or you don't do it. It's what you think is right in your heart and you should follow that based on your knowledge of the Word of God. Um, <clears throat> Alright? So, the way we look at each other, the way we treat each other, the way we love one another. 
is extremely important in this whole concept in Romans 14. Really starting again back in Romans 13. I also want to point out this real quick. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. In other words, if you have a really strong opinion about it, you're that person that looks at the meat and you say, man, that looks really good and I get it. I'm not really against the bacon. It's where it came from. If that's really your position, you should follow what you think you should do to honor God. So there can be times where even though we are called to be a unified body, we don't necessarily all come to the same conclusion about certain things. Does that make sense? All right, let's go to the next one. And I, I just want you to see under that real quick. He says, if you eat, it's, it's in honor to the Lord. If you don't eat, it's in honor to the Lord. Both people are honoring the Lord, even though they're doing two complete opposite things, even though they think two completely different ways, even though one person has all the scripture he needs, especially now that we have the New Testament, right? You have all the scripture you need to make the case. What's the second argument? Oh. What days? Yeah, so it could be, we talked about, um, like there's an argument between what's the actual right day to worship God. And, and we, have, we have good reason to worship God on the first day of the week. It seems like all through the New Testament, that's what the church finds themselves, that's the day they single out. But what about holidays? I had to make sure there's no young ones. If there's any young ones watching the live feed, move them away now. What about holidays? <laughs> I already blew this once with your daughter. Um, if you look back in the history of a lot of the holidays, what you'll find is that a lot of holidays have Christian roots and they also have pagan roots. And a lot of the pagan roots and the Christian roots come together and that's how a lot of our holidays are today. You can go with Christmas, you can go with Easter, you can look at any of your basic holidays and you can make a case on both sides of the argument. And this is honestly an argument that I've even heard still to this, like in present day. I've heard this argument. Some people don't like Christmas. Some people don't like it. Well, see, and that is one of the arguments, right? It's probably not his birthday. It's probably not his birthday. It could be. It could have just hit the day right, right? But also, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. The older I get, the, the harder time I have with the reality that I am teaching my kids to be okay at least one night out of every year of an old man sneaking in, winking his nose, whatever, and hiding gifts under the tree. And as long as he doesn't mess with any of us, who cares if he just broke an entering, right? Who cares if he just did a B&E? Who cares? And I know that might be silly, but I'll be honest, the culture has changed a lot. 
And kids are, in my opinion, in a more dangerous place than they were maybe even 20, 30 years ago when I was a young, young person. And I wrestle with that. Me and my wife wrestle with that. Okay, you bring the pagan roots into it. I wrestle with that at times. The reality, though, is I, Christmas can be about the Lord, not be about the Lord to me or you or whoever. But I'm certainly not using it as a pagan festival in my house. Same with Easter. You can go through Easter, Estar, Ishtar. You can go back and see how it all came to being. You can see that the eggs, and the reason they're painted now is because the virgins on certain days would be painted, and you went egg hunting. And if you found the egg, you got the prize. As long as it was a painted woman, you were good to go. Now, I'm just letting you know, there's a reality to that. That's not why I do it. Now, when I first started doing Easter egg hunts here, there were people who brought that up to me. And it meant something to them. Well, then you know what? They shouldn't participate in the Easter egg hunt and they shouldn't hide baskets and tell everybody the Easter bunny's real. Whatever. It all depends on where your heart is on the matter. Okay? We're going to have difference of opinion on things that God has already said. It, what, what are you going to do with it? You can do either way. You can do either way and still honor God. What we're not allowed to do is what? Elevate our opinion. Yeah. Yeah, we're not allowed to let it come between us. I can't look down on you. You can't despise me. I can't despise you. You look down on me. We can't let it come between us. And you know, for, to me, I'm going to come to you, Robin. To me, we've allowed these types of situations, and we could go through them. Rob just hit on one with, and, and if you just look at the history of the Church of Christ and all the different things that big, strong churches in the Church of Christ have divided over. I was at a church, the first church I served at um, was Rockport. Church of Christ. You know, we met in the upper room. I didn't even realize it was a thing. I just thought, well, we're in West Virginia. It makes sense that the Sunday school classes are in the basement and that the worship assembly is on the top. We were also in the side of a hill so you could walk right in without ever having to get downstairs. But there were people in there who thought if we worship downstairs, that's, that's not where Jesus worshiped. He worshiped in the upper room. What? I got another one for you. Right before I left, we expanded. The church was growing. The youth group was big. Everything was going great. Right before I left, we expanded. We used to rent uh, like a community hall that was like 30 seconds down the road. But they kept driving up the prices. So every time we wanted to have a fellowship meal, it cost more and more and more. So they decided, you know what? We're going to expand. We're going to make a fellowship room. You know that they built four walls even though there was three inches between both buildings? They wanted it to look like it was the same building. But if they would have connected that wall, people would have left. Because you can't have a kitchen in a church. What? And then you got arguments like, well, 
What about one cup? I think we're all sinners. I think we're all sinners. I think COVID's made every church in the world sinners because nobody does one cup anymore. And last time I checked, Jesus didn't take a pitcher and pour out a whole bunch of cups and say, here, boys, let's do this together. They passed a cup. You heard that argument? I, I got more. I got more. The reality is, is whether you want to call them matters of opinion, whether you want to call them non-salvational issues, we've allowed these types of things, these real things, to cause division, to cause quarrel, to cause one side to look down at another and another side to despise another to the point where next thing you know, we got two churches instead of one. And now that instead of having 100 members, there's 60 over here and 40 over here and soon to both be dead because they're going to find something else to fight about later and divide again. I'm just letting you know, you want to talk about, we've been talking about the church and the reality of the numbers of the church. That's part of the reality of the numbers of the church. Okay, I went on a rant. Your turn, Rob. No, it's all right. Uh, somebody came to me a long time ago and said, well, how do you know whether or not an example is a binding example? How do you know that here is uh, an approved apostolic example? And so when somebody asks you, is this an approved example? Yes, they all are. Good or bad. If it's in the Bible, it's an approved example. Yeah. It has no, what gives authority to the example is the word of God if it's a command. So the authority behind the example, it's not the example. The example is just an illustration. Yeah. And so you're talking about a lot of things that, well, there's an example they met in an upper room. They met in homes. You yeah. don't find a lot of places where they met in a congregation. Yeah. Now, if you have met in a home, well, what's in a home? You've got a lot of things in a home that aren't in a building. Usually there's a kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> you got a refrigerator, a stove. Uh, you, yeah. know, you might have a, you know, a bassinet. I mean, there's all kinds of things in a home. Uh, and so common sense sometimes tells you that, wait a minute, I'm not being real. If we just all decided to meet at your house instead of here, well, you've got to get rid of that kitchen. We can't meet here. There's a kitchen. I mean, when you think about it, it doesn't make any sense. Doesn't hold much water, does it? No. No, I agree. You know, I want to say. Go ahead. Well, take this cup and drink. Well, I don't have that cup. People have been looking for The whole world's been looking for it, yeah. (laughs) That holy grail hasn't been found. But that wasn't the important part, just like what's up there. The important thing is, if God approves of it, don't say you can't do it. Now, if you haven't got the faith to go ahead and do it, that's your decision. But don't condemn that other guy because he believes he can do that. Unless you can say, well, here God said you just can't do that. Right. Like, for example, it's never going to be okay to steal. That's an obvious one. Right? Carl? One problem I've had um, with... Um, trying to help people understand that there's conscious issues. It's usually when I try to explain to certain people, you know, Saturday worshipers or one cuppers or whatever, 
it's always, it's never, okay, this is a conscious issue, you believe like you want, I believe like I want. It's always like, well, you're going to hell. That's, it's never like, well, I'll, I'll allow you to worship on Sunday. It's never that. It's you can't worship on Sunday. You know, that's, that's the problem I'm dealing with, with trying to help people do that, you know. It never works for me anyway. Well, I mean, see, the one thing I want to say using my own example is there were people on both sides of that, of those arguments. And the reality was that that, that leadership at that church decided that those people were more important than them being right. Even though they knew there was, it was going to take more money, for example, let's say, to build that fourth wall. And they knew how silly it was. To put it right beside it so it looked like one built that was like the compromise but they put other people first go ahead Mike I'll come back to you Rob I'd like what Carl said uh, a lot of this there are a lot of religious issues uh, that people hold on to and if you don't agree with them you're a heretic yeah, you're wrong. And, and what he's saying in Romans is no you're not a heretic you can believe that. We can be brothers and love each other. Unless you have a thus saith the Lord that this is the way it is, and there aren't too many of that, then love each other. Yeah. And serve God. Yeah. And he's the one who decides anyway. Yeah, and don't allow your differences to come between you. Go ahead, Rob. He's promised me I wasn't going to... i got to get at least further than nine now. <laughs> It's been argued many times that when God says a certain thing, it excludes everything else. General authority is one thing, specific authority is another. But when you look at the command, I want you to build this ark out of gopher wood. That doesn't exclude pine, hickory, everything else. No, it just specified gopher wood. That's all it specified. I want you to sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord that there is that plucking that goes on there, but what's the instrument? And so when you look at it the way that it's a, uh, uh, some things are, are, you're not trying to get something out of the picture, you need to be able to put it in the picture. And so I'm not gonna try to remove a piano, say, out of a, out of a worship service, you're going to have to provide me evidence that it's okay to have one in it. I don't have to affirm a negative. Uh, you might believe that's okay. I might not agree with that. But there's where that uh, authority issue, and it's a long. I mean, it's way more than. Yeah. Now you're the picture I just got is a minefield. I'm not walking into it. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Bertha. Huh? Oh well. Those, those, those. Some of that maybe is best handled one on one, not from a classroom setting. Well, I told you I was going to try to stop you from finishing. Well, <laughs> watch out, get by that one. Go ahead, Bertha. What's a heretic? A heretic is someone who is. Preaching, believing, living, false doctrine. Man. Yeah. 
it's a nice churchy word. And that's all. It's not really nice at all. Um, all right. But there's a reality to the fact that we do need to pay attention to God's word. And to me, yet again, that maturity, that stronger brother is the one who actually understands the scripture in context better than the weaker brother. Is it wrong to eat vegetables? Is it wrong to abstain from certain holidays? Is it wrong to do those things? No, it's not. not. But they're limiting themselves because they don't have the knowledge of the word of God. They don't have the same knowledge or they wouldn't worry about these um, things quite as much. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I think there's, I think there's, tr I think there's truth to that, but I also think that he literally indicates the weak person is the one who abstains from the meat because they don't understand that it's not unclean anymore. Well, we're going to get there. Who are you? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> who are you to judge your brother? It right. It was the people that weren't eating meat that were judging. Me. Oh, it was both sides. That's what I'm saying. It was both sides. There was no, there, nobody's, see, we left this conversation with somebody has to be right. Remember that? We're going to go back to that right now? No, I, I, I think we're saying the same thing. We are saying, well, we are saying the same thing. Yeah. I, I, I can be the strong person in the argument and still eat vegetables. Sure. If, if I'm going to tolerate the person that wants to eat meat. Sure. And same thing with the, the carnivore. And missionaries, missionaries run into this all the time. Yeah. We talked about before my dad was in Japan. Yeah. You know, in the United States, you never see women serving the Lord's Supper on this side and men serving the Lord's Supper. You never see that in the United States without causing it. In Japan, a man does not serve a woman. And so the men serve the men Lord's Supper and the women serve the women. I think we should. The missionaries did because the important thing was reaching them, not making them look like Americans. Yeah. Uh, the, the gospel has to. It, the gospel has to reach into all culture without being controlled by all culture. But that doesn't necessarily mean what we consider to be right based on the culture we grow up in. They might look at it very differently on other, in other parts of the world. And I talked about that from the point of um, you know, just, just grape juice. Most churches would obviously, you go there, you're going to have wine or you're going to have grape juice. What happens when you get the white grapes, the green grapes, that make white grape juice? What happens when you can't get grapes at all and you need to do watermelons? Is it fruit of the vine? Oh, we're getting crazy, aren't we? We're getting crazy. But these are real issues that missionaries have had to deal with at different times. I forget the exact country that it was where they could not get grapes. It was somewhere in Africa. I forget exactly where they could not get grapes. But they could get strawberries. And they actually said it was even redder like blood. But anyway. Um, okay, we're going to move on. We're going to move on. We're getting into all these little things of... And, and, and this is good conversation because I want you to see that it's not, it's not just that our culture clashes. It's the whole culture of the world. When you go on a mission trip and you experience worship, for example, in Honduras, it's very similar, but there's always subtle differences. 
there's always subtle differences. For example, what I, what I uh, witnessed in Honduras was um, what I considered, the only other time I saw it was um, at a church my brother was going to in South Carolina, but at the end, after invitation, they have a time of testimony. And it didn't matter who it was, if they wanted to share something that was going on in their life, whether they wanted people to pray for them, they wanted to share something they thought God did for them, whatever, it's just personal testimony, and they took turns until everybody was done, and then everybody left. But it didn't matter. It wasn't like only the men spoke in those moments. The women spoke too. And what do you do? What do you do in those moments? Right? Um, and is it really that... We're going to move on. Verse 10. Verse 10. R Romans 14. What, Brian? Oh, here we go. Are you joking? We just spent the first 40 minutes of class relitigating everything we did two weeks ago. Okay. Okay. What? I'm not, we're not going there right now. Rob? <laughs> Verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? See, he's talking about both sides of the argument there. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So the things that you do, the reason why they have to be, you need to be, as the scripture says, fully convinced in what you're doing, is because at some point you're going to have to stand and take account before the Lord for the things that you did. And if you really thought in your heart of hearts that eating that meat was just as good as worshiping that pagan idol, you're going to have to deal with that before the Lord. As, is anybody else drawing a different, completely different conclusion? Am I getting crazy? Verse 13, therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide. See, I underline decide. Why would I underline decide? Because it's a decision we all have to make. This is a decision we all have to make. Never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. See him going right back to argument number one. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Right? So to the Jew at this point in time that's really struggling with unclean stuff, it would be wrong. If you knew that about that person to invite them over for ribs. Covered in bacon. Because I love bacon. Maple sausage as well. Right? It's, I mean, come on. And he says, but if you invite them over and you're eating that bacon and you're eating that maple sausage and you're tearing it up and you're looking at them like, go ahead, man, get in there. 
you're not any more right than he is for not wanting to eat it. In fact, you're probably more wrong. Then he says, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. See, that, that is what this is all about. It's not about who's right. Wait, but somebody's got to be right. Everything is black and white. There is no opinion. There's none of this stuff like, oh, oh, that's salvational. This isn't salvation. No, no, no. The Bible's really clear. It's in black and white, and some of those letters are in red. This is not the Bible. This is a hymnal. But anyway, you get the point. See, whether we want to admit it or not, there is a little bit of gray. There is a little bit of gray. And not everything is black and white. And not only is there literally things that we can decide to disagree on and still be brothers and sisters in Christ and still love each other and respect each other for our matters of opinion, is what I'm going to say. But I think it's got to be that way. Think about where you were. Those of you who have been in the Lord 20, 30, 40 years. Where were you at in the first 10? Did you look the same? Do you believe exactly the same way you did in your first 10 years in the Lord as you do now? I hope not. If you do, probably not growing at the rate you should. So there's always going to be this. Especially if we're a growing church and we're bringing new people in and saving souls and baptizing them in Christ. Right? Like there's always going to be these struggles. What they can't do is come between us. What they cannot do is come between us. Brian, did you want to say something? There's so much of this love and honor. I mean, absolutely. You know, I see, I see that part and then I see the bottom line. And I think about how many of these little, I'm going to say it exactly the way I feel about it. And if, if it makes you upset, I'm sorry. But I think of how many of these little petty arguments have chased people away forever. Forever. Over whether you had ham or turkey on your sandwich. Okay, and I know I'm being silly there, but I'm, I'm think about the amount of things that we could find that some of us are super convicted in. And we got one verse, two verses, maybe three if you're lucky. And you're probably reaching on some of that with the third. Now, if it's in your heart of hearts, then you better do it. But don't force it on somebody else. Rob? I think Jesus is trying to put us back in the garden. Okay. And that the, were there pigs when God created the heavens and the earth? And he created all the, all the creatures. Did they go into the ark? Did they come out of the ark? Were there unclean animals in existence back before the Jewish in, or kingdom was established? He set that apart for them 
but there were animals that were like we were talking about earlier that these are I better you, you never mind <laughs> I didn't mean to take off down that road no I know where you're going yeah never mind good man a good man. Let's do that stuff in private a little bit, maybe. Um, anybody else want to say anything real quick? All right. We're going to do five more minutes, and then we're going to be done. Verse 16. So do not let what you regard as good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You can only be this way if you have the Holy Spirit. You can only be the way you're supposed to be in these situations because of the Spirit of God that lives within all of us. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. We're trying to lift each other up, not tear each other down. Trying to lift each other up, not tear each other down. Now, that does not mean that we shouldn't pull out our Bibles every now and then and have a good old-fashioned debate with a good, good friend or brother and sister in Christ and kind of talk about scriptures and what we think. And even if we come apart with still in, in different places, then so be it. But I guarantee you, in all those times of debate and all those in my life, I can speak for myself, even the times where I've come away in a different place, I've gained respect for that person because at least I know that they have scriptures in their mind that they're thinking of and they're trying to honor the Lord in what they do. It's not just a blind shot in the dark. Verse 20, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. He says that twice. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble, in case you didn't get that the first time. The faith that you have, look what he says here, because this part, I, I, this, you could take this out of context real quick. Now remember what we've been talking about. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. These, these, these matters, I'm not, me personally, you're not going to ever see me do a sermon about Christmas. I'll do a sermon about the birth of Christ, but you're never going to see me do a sermon about why Santa Claus is wrong, and if you have Santa Claus coming to your house, you're going to hell. Whoa, big fella. Uh, take it easy. <laughs> right? It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. My job is not to convert you to the exact way that I think that's not even my job as the preacher at this church to convert you to the exact way I think. That's not even really how I preach. I don't try to tell you how to read the scripture. I try to share the scripture with you in a way that you can make decisions for yourself. In some ways, that's exactly what Paul is saying right here. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. Are there things that you might disagree with? me on that I believe in and there are things that I might disagree with you on you that you believe in I guarantee it I was gonna do a sermon not that long ago and I decided against it I was afraid it was gonna cause problems but I was gonna give you guys a uh, kind of like a survey 
the week before. Fill out the survey, give it back to me. And then I was just going to put up the statistical categories of where the church leans and what they believe in and who believes in this and who doesn't believe. What's the percentages? And I thought, there's got to be a better way to teach this. But Fans and Seminole fans. Okay. Not telling which team is it's Be going careful. To... Gators did not quite look as good as the Seminoles this weekend. Yeah, not quite. Oh, okay. Okay. We'll talk about that after class. The weaker thing, I'm telling you. Were you done? I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Strongly strong. And. If you get up there and say, well, this is the right way by doing a, a sermon like that, you're going to have one of those teams ahead of the other. And that's just going to, probably about 50% of the people are going to be upset. Yeah, now, I will say again, we're talking about things that can go either way. So remember that. Don't take that out of context either. Mike's not saying that everything in Scripture can just go either way. And I don't want anybody to take that out of context. I just wanted to say that a preacher should never drive a car that's newer than 20 years old. Uh, <laughs> so you want your preachers walking? <laughs> well said, go. <laughs> or really good mechanics. No, I'm just saying that if you've got that kind of an opinion, keep it to yourself. Yeah. That there are certain things... And I've seen this. I've been in a position where, you know, you're dressing too nice, or you're, you're, you know, you're, you're living too uh, comfortable. Uh, you need to suffer more uh, compared to everybody else. That they have a view of they're not going to, you're not going to be paid a certain wage, a livable wage. <laughs> uh, there's people that have those kind of opinions, mm -hmm. and it's not a scriptural opinion. But it's an opinion, and if it's a, it's just an opinion. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. You know? oh. Sue so just wanted me to tell Rob I do have a car that's over 20 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm retiring after in in one minute. Verse 23. But whoever has doubt. Look what he says this real quick. Whatever doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So it really comes down to what you believe on some of these things. It's that simple. And you know what? I kept you five minutes longer than I wanted to but we got through a whole chapter tonight. And you did not stop me. Have a good night.